Hey, welcome to episode 63 of Just Shoot It, a podcast about filmmaking, storytelling, and directing. I'm Matt Enloe. And I'm Oren Kaplan, and today we have director, actor, writer Josh Rubin on. He's the second half of the duo Josh and Vince. We had Vince on two episodes ago, and he's really awesome. He's directed over 2,000 videos for College Humor. So many videos. <laughs> he's, insane. he's got a really awesome career, both in front and behind the camera, national spots and is an awesome writer-director, so we really dig in on what it is to be in both in front and behind the camera, and also uh, what it is to be in the partnership of a directing duo. So I think it's a really fascinating conversation. Uh, it's a nice long one. We dig in, we go deep. Let's hop into it. But before we get to our interview, uh, we have one little piece of business. We are looking for a new editor. Due to a tragic event, Eric Rapow is no longer with us. Yeah, the tragic event of uh, success in building your own business. Yes, he's gone on to greener pastures. He's spending so much time with his business, Flashpoint.io, as an editor and building it that he no longer has time to edit, just shoot it. So we are looking for a new person. Uh, if you are someone that is interested in editing a podcast about filmmaking, storytelling, and directing, shoot us an email at justshootitpod at gmail.com with the subject line editor. And uh, we'd love to talk to you guys. We will compensate an editor and you'll get to meet us. And <laughs> yeah, we're, we're looking for a person who can take on a little bit of a producerial role, do a little bit of website stuff, you know, a little bit of this and that. It's a, you know, just a couple hours a week and it will help us release the show on time because I'm sure you've all noticed that uh, when it comes to just me and Oren editing this thing, we take too long. We're very interested. So apologies for that, and uh, drop us a line, subject line, editor, or at justshootapod at gmail.com. Thanks, and here's the interview. Hey, we have Josh Rubin with us. Uh-huh. <laughs> he is not French. <laughs> You're half of the directing duo. I am, I am. Uh, Josh and Vince. Josh plus Vince. I am. Or ampersand, I mean... Uh, is sure. there like a... Because with writing credits, there's like an and and an ampersand. And That's true. An ampersand means you're a union, and an and means you're two individuals. So right. uh, as far as I understand it, from uh, How to Make Movies for Fun and Profit by Ben Grant and Tom Lennon, which is a great book. Love it. That's yeah. my writer. favorite. Yeah, already already got your unpaid endorsement in there. Thank you for the unpaid Venmo, Tom. <laughs> so... You and Vince are a team. We Vince pretty much told us all the interesting things that were to say about your work. So, oh, good God! I wish I knew. Um, I should have listened to, for for, for well, research purposes. Oh, but it, it's okay. It's not out yet. So you're copy right. that. Oh, good. <laughs> you're lucky. You you have a perfect excuse. Oh, thank God. Um, but uh, we we wanted to talk to you a little bit about what it's like being part of a duo. Vince covered it a little bit, and we have spoken to a lot of duos before. But for me personally, like, my dream has always been to, like, have a, been born with, like, a brother that has, like, the exact same sentiment as me and mm. we can be a direct... Like, you know, the Wachowskis or the Coen brothers or whatever, um, because it's so much easier to direct with two people, and I feel like if you're brothers, the egos maybe melt away a little bit more i wish i had that i love vin like a brother but he and i are very much individuals he's he's got a lot better taste he's definitely got a better eye than i do um i'm uh, i've always been labeled you had sam reich on on the show he and i came up together too with vin and a buddy matt moore and sam's wife wasn't at the time when we had this company 
uh, Elaine Carroll, we had a sketch group together where we all directed and sort of wrote and sort of conceived concepts for shows and stuff like that and sort of um, found our footing as directors and producers and writers and this and that. And you got into directing as a necessity to make videos. I did, but I, I guess, I guess, I don't even, I half lost my train of thought to that point, but basically, like, we all met as, like, a fivesome to make videos however we could figure out how to make them and put them up online because we didn't have an agent. And this was, like, in 2003. Um, we were called Dutch West. The website's still up. Every year, Sam reaches out and has us Venmo him $6 to keep it, <laughs> keep, keep it alive. Um... And it was. It you don't was, think Sam could cover that on his own at this I point? I mean, for God's sake! But I think again, it's just a good joke. Believe right? it or not, the real name is Reichstein. Uh, no, um, but <laughs> yeah, we we all sort of learned directing, writing, acting. Sam more so editing through the back door, kind of you know all learning the skills just sort of by osmosis. Like I can't. I've come a long way. Like you know, I've done thousands of videos of college humor my time there and Vince included and certainly Sam as well but when we started you know you didn't really know that you know you could get away with a 14 minute take <laughs> or you know spend 30 minutes on one line or whatever like just all the little things that sort of but you're you learn along the way that you didn't know that you that it would take so long to make stuff no or? that i didn't know you really should that basically I, I didn't know the value of an ad i guess is what i'm like very loosely getting at but like yeah i think I, i'm remembering just sort of talking out loud now my worst dutch west <laughs> day, which was a there was a sketch i wrote called like high school reunion i think and it was like 14 minutes long they were all short films basically let's be honest looking back at them and it was like we had 30 actors everybody was there for free we bought lunch had the camera Vin shot everything and like a 40 year old acting student at my acting school um who it was literally like a two shot behind a punch bowl and he was a teacher and there was this like basically a kid who got superhero powers like a nerd played by sam who got superhero powers and like killed like brutally murdered all these bullies <laughs> at this high school dance and it was like a long hot summer day in a room we dressed to be a gymnasium at my acting school like the space we rented for 60 dollars. it was like one of those things like the most low budget um and i remember doing spending like a half an hour on like you know a, a reaction shot and mm -hmm. not, you know, so we, we all learned through the back door. We all learned by by experience. It was true trial by fire, like the five of us and our growing pains in different ways. Um, and uh, but anyway, I, I don't know what the real point was, but we all kind of came up together. And that's like how I learned. I didn't, I, you know, unlike Vin um, and Sam, I believe, was even a high school dropout. But I didn't go to film school. I was I went to high school in Woodstock, New York, and then went right to acting school. And then wanted to be an actor so bad. I was like, well, I'm not. I don't have an agent yet, so let's put a bunch of videos up online. So it was sort of an innovative idea for 2003 when sure. you know YouTube didn't exist yet. And so I think uh, what I'd asked you and what this answer is, is partially answering yeah. is if you and Vince were kind of this symbiotic, like uh, perfect duo that came up together and like could finish each other's sentences, mm -hmm. um, and that's how you ended up being a team, or if you just kind of fell into being a team and never really liked each other? 
No, we we loved each other. I think that was the funny thing about our relationship with College Humor was because, and even Dutch West, we were looking for someone who had the kind of the cinematographic eye, cinematic eye, and and he was the only one of us who went to film school. So we we're like, let's bring him aboard. He knows how to use a camera, but he happened to be so funny as a human being. We we were like, fuck it, you're one of the state, or you know, whatever. Dare I dare I compare us to one of the most iconic sketch uh, groups in American history? <laughs> but we, um, uh, because of our relationship pre-college humor, my my relationship with Vin was you're more technically proficient, and I, you know, am obsessed with Robin Williams. So let me just you know make everybody do a line line reading like World According to Garp or whatever it was. So at college humor, I was asked to come aboard by Sam once they got the College Humor Show, which was a very short-lived, like, whatever, six to eight-episode run on, the MTV on, on MTV. And someone had to make the videos for the website. And Wait, Sam so did was you like, act in it, or you were... Oh. I did have one, like, one-and-a-half-episode kind of arc as a douchey mu- magician named <laughs> Trip, uh, who was, like, I think somehow trying to date or dated Sarah Schneider, who's now the head writer of SNL and uh, probably would scoff at the mention. But um, so Vin and I, when we would work doing sketches for college humor he was on staff as a dp before he was he upped the ranks as a director i was hired as a director sort of cast member um so when he he would shoot everything 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 so no matter who was assigned what director was assigned what and it was really sam and i and i don't even think there was one other director i think it was sam and i i guess and I, it's insane. I couldn't think of the third. It was like Sam and I, and then like Jake and Amir were doing their own videos and whatever. Um, Vin would shoot everything, and I would defer constantly. Mm-hmm. I did not have the technical proficiency to understand that a one a single could become a two shot, could mm-hmm. become a wide. I didn't have the a concept of knocking out three pages in one clever take, or you know, I should have watched a lot more old movies or something. But we also had these weird rules at College Humor, like, um, I don't even know the, the term L-cut. I think it's like, basically, you want to see the actors on their dialogue and never right. hear them off camera. So it was, a, it was sort of a rule, arbitrarily or not, that you wanted to, you never wanted to hear an, an actor off camera. You always wanted to be on them on the dialogue. It makes it feel punchier and more visceral and this and that. It's internet video. It's short, this, that. But it's like the anti-Walter Mert idea, right? Probably the only famous editor <laughs> that yeah, exists. The, the famous editor. Yeah. His, <laughs> his whole thing is, you know, about reactions. It's about what you show and what you don't show. It's about what people are not saying. But then again, he yeah. didn't do internet sketch Which I comedy. Really He's not worried about punchline. You couldn't exert that. It, it was rare when you could exert that sort of sentiment doing one of 2,000 videos for, for that site at the time because subtlety wasn't really – it didn't play well or it was perceived not to. But the cool thing – I think the reason why I stayed for as long as I did was Sam handed me the keys to be able to – you know, do things like VHS, like, you know, where I got to <clears throat> basically do, you know, be dress up in prosthetics and, you know, play characters on like obscure, you know, sort of PBS like shows, found footage sort of things. I think it's an interesting anytime there's a studio or a website or a whatever where there's a stylistic dogma. That's mm. fascinating to me. You know, like when there were rules to any specific production company and then that kind of becomes its own school and they're like 
you know, the people that come out of those places have those sorts of habits. That's really mm-hmm. right. I swear to God, the <laughs> the uh, I'm it was eventually getting to the long winded point of my relationship with Vin basically evolved from. Um, uh, director completely deferring to his DP on if something would cut to do you think this works to oh you guys obviously work so well together and have so much fun together on set and have such a collaborative relationship that it was like why don't you two come do this mm-hmm. um, to the gateway gig for Vin and I like if you were an actor who came aboard or even a crew member who came aboard for a Josh Rubin directed thing for College Humor you would see Josh Rubin constantly being like hey DP you know hey Vin do you think this is going to work do you think this is interesting do you think this is going to cut do you think this would is would you ask him if things were funny if he no, thought something was funny I always knew something was funny sometimes he would I th- I'm pretty sure he would weigh in probably on more than one occasion I, th- I think that like there were other directors and Sam included I'm fine saying it you know Sam was like very would put his foot down like yeah no I don't think that's funny mm-hmm. but if Vin thought something was funny I think uh, you know I, I think he and I just had the same sensibilities growing up and both loved Tim Burton and Barry Sonnenfeld so much or whatever that we'd just be like yeah fuck it let's try that too so it really did become so he would pitch like jokes or I ideas so, or camera it, moves or it something. It wasn't when I think of that idea. I think of something uh, an irksome relationship, like the DP that weighs in and goes like, "You should try." <laughs> but it really was. I think if it wasn't me deferring, it was like the buddy I grew up with in Woodstock, New York, suggesting that I do something. Right, you're Larry Wachowski to his Lana. Yeah, completely. And he's a beautiful woman now, and we love it. And but anyway, so that. The gateway gig for us was he had a professor at SVA who said, you know, who we would constantly send videos to, I think when he was still DPing, and he had an opportunity to direct one thing digitally, um, and they were see- he was sending the work that he was doing from college. Me, yeah, my buddy directed this, I shot it, whatever. Um, we phrased it like we were being very collaborative and either way it was somehow like why don't you come do this come direct this like local tri-state area Time Warner cable commercial and that was like the first gig that sort of begun our our uh, that you know that propelled our our career forward I think actually he was at College Humor before I joined um before I joined uh, uh, full time and we directed our first commercial together before I joined. So we were already doing like we'd done our first quote unquote duo gig together. I'm almost positive of it before I joined. That's kind of an interesting takeaway. Like who would have, I mean, maybe you would have thought of it, Matt, because you went to film school, but of like sending your videos to your old professors because they are in some way plugged into a network of people looking Mm -hmm. for filmmakers. Yeah, that is Mm -hmm. interesting. I think like all of my professors, old enough that it was just like they were retired and this was kind of like well this is the cool thing about sva which i guess with his professor this i think is his the jerry winner um was a dude who actually shot that first time warner job that we did together was he was still a working dp mm-hmm. who was vin's professor who was like i have a connect to this thing would you be interested in coming aboard because obviously you're doing more interesting stuff on your own and this and that and the other thing um, and he had that was, you know, it was amazing. I didn't go to college, but he had that incredible relationship. You only hear about so rarely where you like give a shit to share your work right. with a professor who you've already graduated, you know, from and don't need to necessarily continue sharing or carrying on a relationship with. 
Um, so <clears throat> that's how it evolved. But you know, I, yeah. I feel like, I don't know about you, Matt, but I know for me personally, a lot of my opportunities came from me sending my videos to people that I knew. Or, I mean, I'll, you know, nowadays you put them on Facebook or something, but before that was kind of like the big thing to do. Yeah. You I would have send, little... I would email, like, I literally had like a 500 person email. Yeah, or something. for sure. And I'd say, hey, everyone, check out this video. Um, and that's how I got like the Adam Films gig. That's how mm-hmm. I got, you know, the, uh, like the Disney people found out about me. So mm-hmm. it's like that, that stuff is. I remember Adam so Films, important. by the way. Did you do anything I might know from Adam Films? I was that was Probably it connected not. to Viacom Comedy Central at the time? Yeah, it was with Peter Ignacio. Do you know him? Oh yeah, he was kind of the guy. And I yeah, think yeah. Matt worked there right after I. I just did a short show. I I worked there right like uh, during the Dutch West time actually. Yeah, like, he must short have, shorts. Tina must have been your connect. Yeah, Santa and Romano. Yeah, she's great. Um, totally unrelated. If you yeah. smell something really bad, it's my dog farting. It's not. <laughs> Oh, me. I haven't yet, but okay. <clears throat> I, um, I can't wait. Well, so and thank you. Let, just to generalize this conversation a little bit more, this might be a weird question, but what do you guys think is the responsibility of a director? Like, what's a director's job? Because you know, you, you bringing up this thing that like that you're deferring to Vin on mm-hmm. set, you know, and how to frame things where to shoot things what shot to do mm-hmm. how to mm-hmm. pace things or you know continuity right as a dude who did not go to film school right. and made videos with his friends to start yeah but it is kind of an interesting <clears throat> thing because i don't know about you guys but i didn't actually learn what a director's re- was responsible for i still kind of don't really know <laughs> like <Sure>. my <laughs> overall <laughs> or, or rather it's, it's always evolving it kind of depends on yeah. who's doing the job mm-hmm. my overall kind of opinion is like if you <clears throat> make a video and it's good then the director did a good job and if mm-hmm. it's bad then the director did a bad job True. Yeah. it's kind of yeah. like president is responsible for job growth and you know gas prices and war Everything you know because the director so it's like whether you hire a dp that like does everything for you or you micromanage the dp it doesn't matter you're just mm-hmm. responsible for what the dp does mm-hmm. this is maybe a defensive answer but i always say that the director is the guardian of the creative of the product mm-hmm. so like it's your job to defend it from bad taste or poor composition or like slashing a budget in the wrong way it's kind of all of those things all at once and i guess again like i said that's maybe too negative of stand up on it but to me you're just the person whose only job is to make sure that the creative is good mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and everyone else has another sort of priority that they're coming at it from right like it's, obviously cat like i don't know you look at a woody allen or something that has you know the best casts in his movie ever assembled but he barely talks to his actors you know and does that mm. mean he's not directing you know like just always interesting to me how uh, being a director like the actual responsibility of a director is so vague yeah it is it's like it reminds me of um not doing an extracurricular thing but you know uh you could look at it like i love snl you think of those hosts that have really killed it doing snl and in a way the host sort of guides the creative for that week because it's mm-hmm. like, well, the, you know, they're going to associate how well that show did based on that. Sure. They're going to compare it to Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks has hosted, what, 50 times or something. And people talk about how 
Well, when Trump came, he was in three sketches and he only wore a suit mm-hmm. and he was just talking to camera and he wasn't whatever, making eye contact or taking any risks and playing a dude in a suit um, or playing himself or whatever it was. <clears throat> no characters. But Tom Hanks, people talk about how Tom Hanks would have the same responsibility, the same six days, the same whatever uh, responsibility bill-ing uh, on the show. A uh, number of advertisements, whatever, but he would be there till three o'clock in the morning, four nights a week with his sleeves rolled up right. rather than leaving after two o'clock in the afternoon to go to Mar-a-Lago or eat oysters or whatever. It is not to compare it to what our president's doing. Now he's great. <laughs> Zig Heil. But he, um, but, but I, I equate without being able to necessarily fully articulate it. Cause I think you guys already did a pretty good job of that. Uh, is driving home the creative or the show to make it the best it can be. Mm-hmm. I look back at my CH days as like, oh, I know I'm always going to be directing something every week, three times a week, maybe even four, and completely taking it for granted. I mean, I used to direct music videos like, well, I know I'm going to do four scenes that look like this, and one will be green, and one will be a girl and a guy fighting in slow motion, and one will be... You know what I mean? Sure. Like one will be all coverage of them singing a camera in front of a white screen and the fourth will be on the street. And literally thinking like, oh, we'll find it in the edit. Rather than being like, oh, this music video is an excuse to make a short film, mm-hmm. which is what I now I'm sort of going like, oh, every, anything I do, I'd be so excited to take on uh, to, uh, to take on an opportunity similar to when – when Go90 was like, we have money to do five right. shorts about da 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 or when you guys have done a miniseries, even if it's something for Disney or something branded or this or that. Now I look at it even more seriously than I did. I took it for granted back then. I really cut my teeth, but now I'm kind of like, oh, no, this is really each time is an opportunity when right. someone, just like acting, like what Philip Seymour Hoffman said about acting, every time you even go in an audition, it's an opportunity to... It's your moment. Everyone's staring at you. Kill it. You can either kill it or you could just like, you know, fart it fart it out like the dog um, mm. in the room and throw it away. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's totally evolved. Um, and now I, st- I definitely look at it more seriously. But I'm also speaking as a guy who like was handed the responsibility of three video- directing three videos a week on the biggest comedy website on, you know, the Internet. Whatever right. next to funny or die in two thousand from two thousand five to two thousand thirteen. Yeah, I think all three of us have been in those situations where we have yeah. to make multiple videos a week. Yeah, um, and did take it for granted. And it's like just like you're saying, like this, we had so much work to do that we would not worry about stuff mm-hmm. too much, and we would be like, yeah, this is the slow motion fight. We're gonna do pillows. Talk to the art department. You get got like feathers that will float slowly. Okay, great. Um, and then we'd shoot it. Now it's like every single project because I don't know. I don't know about you guys, but you know I'm probably directing like once or twice a month. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. like each thing is a big deal. And you have to fight so much harder to get the job, mm-hmm. and once you get the job, you have the obligation to do what you sold them that you would do. Mm-hmm. It's no longer like directing by instinct. It's more mm-hmm. directing by like over analyzing every decision. And then being sad that you don't have all the resources you want. Um, it, it's a it's a weird kind of transition, you know. And, and yeah, I, I mean, I think some of it is also like, you know, your point about like, oh, just knowing there's going to be another video mm-hmm. in a week or in, mm-hmm. a, in two days or whatever it is. You know, I think that's a real gift. But um, 
maybe as we're getting a little older, mm-hmm. you kind of are looking at all those videos and, you know, I, I, there's a handful of videos that are like A plus, like great videos that you've done. Mm-hmm. But I think mm-hmm. like when I look at my own work, there's plenty of stuff that people love and have plenty of views and all that stuff. But like, is there the one that I'm like, yep, that's my baby? Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. And I, when I had that realization, I was like, why not? You know, why, why didn't I make sure that one of these was the thing that I was as proud of as I could be? Mm-hmm. And so this year in particular has been one where I've been just trying to like put that extra oomph back into it in a way that I would have killed for any of those opportunities mm-hmm. when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, <gasps> sorry, let's pause for oh. one second. Josh is good at talking. Oh, fabulous. So, you know, so we talked to... So we just talked about how you and Vin kind of got started as as a duo. You were directing so many things. He was shooting, um, and you guys realized that you guys were kind of the yin and yang of mm-hmm. like you know the technical side and the performance side of directing. Um, and then you guys went on. You directed a bunch of things together. Uh, you know, we had Vin on the podcast, and he covered a lot of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so where are you now? Are you guys still? doing everything together are you guys i think he had mentioned that you guys maybe were starting to do some things separately as well mm-hmm. yeah what, we we how basically do you transition in and out of like the duo thing it's really funny we we are branded together as a duo and and have a reputation as a duo in commercials we both really want to and each have fantasies of directing our own movies um were you guys I, called josh and vince yeah and yeah, so who, how did you decide that it's going to be Josh and Vince and not Vince and Josh? That's a great question. I mean, Josh and Vince obviously sounds better. <laughs> so let's be honest. If, if I did a Twitter JK poll right now. as well, right? JK, uh, JV, uh, um, <laughs> you know, JK, <laughs> Josh, Boy, and, Josh and Vince. Boy, brain fart. <laughs> Matt's brain tumor did Ooh. metastasize. Um, no, uh, junior varsity. <laughs> not junior varsity. And... Uh, <laughs> Uh, not MTV VJs, um, came that realization. And, and uh, anyway, we we started doing all this stuff and uh, a bunch of you know commercials together. And I sort of like, um, I don't know if this is your question, but uh, yeah, we started we started doing a bunch of brandish shit together. But we knew kind of all along we wanted to do a movie. We wanted to get into movies. We wanted to get into TV shows. And we've had stuff in various stages of development here and there, but. We never went into or established uh, ourselves as a duo having defined the roles. I never went into it going, okay, yeah, let's form an LLC as a directing duo slash sort of pseudo production company Duplass style, but I want to be in everything. I want to write everything. Oh, yeah. You shoot How did everything. You, even you direct out the payments. Well, everything's 50 50 uh, because every, you know, all the commercials we do are writer director or sorry, our, our uh, directing duo. So it's like whatever the directing fee is, our, our fee in commercials is like a little bit higher because it's like, Hey, you're getting the two of us and two brains and you know, whatever, all this special shit and all these bells and whistles, two dicks. Um, <laughs> and, uh, so yeah, that was that was the easy part. Sometimes Vin, who's a DP by trade, would get an extra like DP fee for some of those jobs. It would be like, oh, if we can hire you as a DP and we won't bone you, um, uh, you know, by roping mm-hmm. you in as a freebie to shoot it, you could also shoot it, and they'd throw him an extra ca- bunch of cash. Oh, and so when you guys were doing those jobs where he's the DP, also 
Do you feel like you have to take over a little more of the directing role? There, un- unquestionably, he'll be, and he doesn't like it, and I, I understand it. He he'll be undoubtedly a little preoccupied with having to tell the other operator what to do, and you know, worrying about the shot, but also then like throwing. He'll you have to snap out of what you're doing as an operator, or you know, worrying about the look, and then like throw a line reading at mm-hmm. at your actor. Like we just did a campaign for Columbia Sports where it was a tight budget. We shot in Canada. Scotland, New York, um, and he he part of the deal was that he shot it. We had an operator and GoPros and all this stuff, but it was like kind of like kind of mildly pranky. Mm-hmm. And you know, our whole thing is like being able to throw lines at like the improviser who's playing like the host at the top of a mountain that like adventure types end up having a Columbia sportswear interview with and he's shooting and he's like, Oh yeah, 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 let me throw you a line. So he doesn't he doesn't like that. I I wouldn't like it either if I had to pull some technical double duty. It was, you know, great for me because, you know, I, I just like for him, it's the same thing. Like you you just focusing on, right. okay, yeah, the shot looks stable, but also let me make sure it's the funniest it's gonna be. So Yeah. It's not like, oh, uh sorry, uh one once more, uh we were a little soft yeah, and also like a nightmare. Reverse that, blah blah blah. Yeah. I've done yeah. when I started out I would shoot a lot of yeah. my own stuff and op you know, D I operated like a lot of DPs operate their own stuff. And I'd literally sometimes be so worried about like the focus that I like the take would be over and they'd be like, what'd you think? I'd be like, yeah, it's sharp. (laughs) You say, uh, great. Let's go again. One more for safety. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Exactly. Big Uh, old lie. Um, (laughs) I don't know if I answered your, answered your question there, but no, yeah, you totally answered the question. So it, so do you feel like your style is different than the style of Josh and Vince as a director? That's a really good question. That's a really good question. As a director, I think that's kind of why I need to, you know, like, um, I guess what I've kind of been getting at is sort of realizing and working together for all this time, you do lose a sense of your voice um, and what you would do if you mm-hmm. were doing, like, again, our goals are to go off and kind of do our own movies, Duplass style, and maybe come back and work on different stuff. Um so yeah, I don't I don't know. I think part of it is like figuring out you know what my style is. I also have this like weirdly d- different career. Like I don't, I don't give a fuck if I'm not supposed to say this or not, but I like I tested for SNL last year. I did an FX pilot. I have a podcast. I um, you know did a series where Amy Sedaris and Chris Elliott played my parents. Like I don't just I'm not just a commercial director. Stuff. Yeah, and uh, and some writing stuff is kind of brewing. So I, I think, I think because it's a little top heavy, I come with all this baggage, or that's sort of a mast that I think it's only fair if I I get a little more selective about mm-hmm. what stuff I take on. Because Vin, like his dream is to direct and eventually write and direct. So I'm kind of realizing, well, shit, I'm kind of Paul Shearing myself. I am doing like at something right. at every level. And it's like, you know, it'd be different. If I was like, I just want to do mm-hmm. be behind the camera and shepherding. And it's right. like, I kind of want to be more Ricky Gervais-ing. Was it weird stuff. when you tested for SNL and Vin was just like standing next to you the whole time? <laughs> <laughs> well, he wouldn't have been allowed to come in 8H. But he, um, no, I, we, that was the funny thing is like, just like when I came up with Sam, Everybody always like, well, Josh will be 
and that's a frustrating thing you hear, you know, throughout my career. It's been like, well, obviously Josh is going to be on SNL. Or, well, obviously Josh is not going to last very long <laughs> with the four of us because he's going to be da 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 <laughs> So all of them, everyone throughout the course of my career has always been like, well, you're obviously going to be. <laughs> you know, this like weird thing, which, you know, you eventually get to the point where like my mom, it started with my mom. I feel like, well, Josh is obviously going to be the next Jim Carrey. Sure, right. um, and now I'm 33. <laughs> to be um, fair, like you know, you pan over and you're like, like tap dancing with the dog, right? Like your your energy is like very apparent. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's uh, you know, I was saying this when we were offline or whatever, but I I do have it's 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 a weird thing to have, and this is part of what's been I guess cool about moving to LA when I've been in New York for 15 years and my directing partner's still there is like. Part of moving to LA beyond my girlfriend being out here um, or her family being out here and us being like, okay, yes, we are going to get out there. Finally getting out here uh, is like, yeah, it's sort of this like weird rebrand time, you know, but I'm, I'm this dude who does have that brain and thrives that way and can't just do that one thing and needs to also, I don't know, exercise. It's a weird fucking thing. Was your move to LA partially as an actor to have more acting opportunities? Yeah, I, oh, I've known for eight years. Rosa Salazar, who is like now in like Maze Runner movies, told me in, in Night Owl. And Night Owls, exactly. Yes. And we had the directors on this Did you really? There's a duo who did it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Vince and Josh. (laughs) Kins and Moss. No, Seth and and Charles, I went to college with them. No shit. Seth was in my wedding. No shit. Tried to get him out. Their first table read was in my apartment. No shit. I really want to see that movie. It's on Netflix. Check it out. Fucking A, dudes. Be honest. Good? Good. (laughs) I really. Good in that sort of like you feel relief. Like, oh, thank God. I don't the lie yeah you know what i mean yeah. like, like yeah. oh they did it that's they did a good it. that's a good feeling because yeah. look man it's a it's a movie not to go on a tangent but it's a movie about two characters in a single location yeah dude that's that's, that's an r yeah man yeah we've seen plenty of bad movies with that exact cocktail right? yeah Ooh. anyway um i need to watch it it's yeah. on netflix yeah, streaming right now mm-hmm. yeah Rosa was one of those people who eight, seven years ago, we, she was her with, along with people like Thomas Middleditch were some of the first people mm-hmm. I used to direct in college humor sketches and everyone would go, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, they're going to blow up. And they did. But she was one of those people who was like, motherfucker, you have to be out in LA. What are you doing in New York? And I was always, well, I don't yet have $30,000 in Verizon commercial money in my checking account, so I can't. Did it bother you? That people told you you should move to LA? It didn't, I think, which is a problem because there was a piece of it that did, but I'm also like, I didn't, I wasn't much of a risk taker. I was a little too, I was a bit of a homebody. I was like, oh, I'm comfortable here and my college humor videos are comfy and I have have UCB and I have all these like little creature comforts. I really should come out and sort of stuck it out and, you know, bartended at Rustic Inn or something and just sort of... (laughs) gotten to the point that all my buddies did where they they got out here you know and and skyrocketed but the on the flip side of that what's interesting is i as a writer director actor i've done now 2000 videos of college humor at least 60 commercials network tri-state area local this that digital are you serious about the 2000 number? oh yeah 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 i i could send you an, an archive well it's really when vin and i do our talks we're like we say 2000 videos it's probably more like 2000 between the two of us but for me between directing writing and acting it amasses to 
probably close to 2000 between not beyond even beyond so think thinking about it, like seven years at college humor plus above average vimeo acting and directing 101 series stuff to um you know upworthy super deluxe web series i mean it's like i i started in 03 um making videos period and then that went to ch and then it like turned into directing so it's just like across the board but i still feel like uneducated in a weird way and sort of uh, I don't know. Like I haven't fully, fully like kicked my own ass. Um, but maybe I don't really believe in myself that I have, you know, the skills that I need to be as good as I am. Like, you know, Ridley Scott is like, I've had every problem you can imagine. <laughs> See covenant. <laughs> I, w- I was going back to, um, the thing about like, uh, being a, a little divided in terms of like being in front of the camera and behind the camera and all that. Mm-hmm. Stuff. Do you wonder if maybe, I think that our generation, we kind of all came up doing a bunch of different jobs all at once because of the internet, right? You could. And so no one stopped you from saying like, hey, Josh, like you shouldn't star in a video and also write it and also direct it. And Mm. your best friend should, you know, like, um, I wonder if that multi-hyphenate like predator plus sort of mentality that we kind of grew up with in a way is kind of shooting ourselves in the foot and now we realize, oh, we need to specialize and really pick what we want to do. I think, it's so funny, guys. I had a conversation today with a dude who I love who came up in the college humor circuit sort of as a shooter, editor, director, did some branded videos. He is a one-man production company. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, I, I can't mention, I, well, I probably shouldn't sell him out, but I'll, I'll tell you after. Um, but he, he does, I mean, he has a drone, Shoots shit. Everything looks great. Mm-hmm. Um, has directed stuff from Jake and Amir to bullshit branded stuff to Beyond, you know, Vogue, whatever. And he called me today. He's like, I really like this sort of pivot you're doing, where you sort of said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be really specific about what I take on as a commercial director, even if it's with a partner, so that I can focus on writing and directing, or writing, acting, and directing what I want to be doing, which is what I've been doing, or I'm like beginning to do how did he know that you were pivoting is this something you put like on facebook i i very openly talk about it because it's also like again you know last year doing all these like doing all these things were top heavy to directing lucky charms commercials um the snl stuff the you know the pilot the digital series doing an indie movie it's like well, shit, I, I can't just call myself when I introduce myself to your mom, I'll say I'm a director because she can probably wrap herself, you know, wrap her head around it and won't argue about how you make money or whatever. I think like mate, when you have these kind of epiphanies and want to make these big life decisions, I think it's super helpful to tell everyone about it because it's like then, a mood board. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Then they'll hold you responsible for it. I think it is. And I've definitely I've definitely done enough of it. I'm sure you guys have too. And this isn't a, a totally negative thing, but I'm like, oh, I'm writing a screenplay. When I moved to LA, when I, I was, used to be an engineer, I said to myself, like, I'm going to save up a specific amount of money. And when I hit that amount, I'm quitting my job and moving to LA. <laughs> and I would tell everyone about it. And then I had to do it. So. And you did do it, yeah. though. And I think part of that is like the 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 uh, audio mood boarding. Like I'm going to da da da. And first, that starts with a conversation with your directing partner. That's a harder conversation to have. Hey, I need to be focusing on less of the nine things because that's another thing. Is like I do nine things, and one of them pays my rent more than the other things. 
and one of them and another thing makes me the happiest and another thing is something that makes me mentally zen and another thing yada 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 so you kind of need to go like okay let's people come on let's pare down um you also recognize you know the people you're working with or who around you you know my partner included what their strengths are that they're doing things that aren't really in your wheelhouse and that's okay and they should have those strengths and be able to go off and do whatever they're going to do and not feel any resentment about it. So it was, it was about kind of me going like, all right, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to put the three things I really want to do or the two things I really want to do on the mood board. So right now it's, I'm retrofitting and this is what I'm, I'm, I'm putting it in ink right now, uh, audio ink by saying it out loud on a podcast. We're stamping it. I'm going to retrofit a Duplass style uh, genre bending micro budget movie that is a vehicle for myself um, in three different ways. And it, it's probably, hey, who knows? It might be stinky as hell. Hopefully, I'll be back on someday promoting it. But I'm like, I'm going to write something for me that's a true vehicle for myself, Jim Cummings style. Thunder wrote it, sure. but stretch yeah. it out. He's been on the podcast. Previous guest. Really? Yeah, no yeah. shit. I see. I. There's a dude who was, couldn't get an image out of his head, obviously a song yeah. out of his head, and was like, I'm going to do this. And it's it's carving a career for himself. So I had this obscure vision, and I'm going to I'm gonna execute it, and it could be a total mess. But it's one of those things where it's like, well, that's going to help with this. It's going to help with that. It's no skin off my back, hopefully financially, if I do the Kickstarter thing or whatever else. I haven't yet done that. Yep. So yeah, just got to go down that road. You directed a movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. How was that slog? Was it a slog? Was it fun? No, was it's it probably the most satisfying thing I've ever done. But uh yeah, it's I mean, you know, it's like summer camp. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's what I, I I mean, I'm looking forward to that, but I I think there's a piece of me that's like you know, you're you get to that age, you, you I, I look back to bring everything full circle, like me kind of going like, you know, thinking of those conversations you had. Why didn't you go to L.A.? All the ghosts like flying past your head, like, why didn't you go to L.A.? Why are you why are you directing Lucky Charms commercials when you should be doing this? I've amassed now this toolkit of skills where mm-hmm. if this if there were 30 people in this living room, I could, without my heart beating completely out of my chest, I could confidently tell them what I wanted out of each scene and how I wanted it to look and I know what a vignette is and whatever else and I now know the difference between a prime and a zoom. It took long enough. <laughs> and the language of editing and this and that. So it's like this interesting thing of like, I've been a little resentful about, oh, why aren't I, you know, Chris Lilly yet? But I've like come out of the end of the tunnel, so to speak, having amassed this sort of set of skills. Give <laughs> me back my daughter, taken. Um, you know, Liam you, Neeson style. Do you worry that you are putting a lot on this one project? Not, it's something, it's like more of a general question. That's, I'm always scared. And I guess, you know, calling back to what we were talking about earlier, where, we were like directing three things a week. We mm. weren't didn't care how each thing came out, and some of them were pretty awesome. Yeah, now more mm. eggs are in the basket. Yeah, now it's yeah. like uh, I don't know if I should do this. It's kind of similar to this other movie that came out five years ago. I'm a little concerned that the idea will transpire, or I mean, I think it's I think it's too obscure. It's almost like an art film. It's like almost too obscure. But that someone will kind of do something similar, and like then, then like there'll be two alien movies at the same time. Right. Um, uh, and it's a volcano uh, movie. Yeah, it's like an, yeah. it's like yeah, well, the Dante's twisters. Peak of volcano. Exactly, the twisters and Sharknadoes of the world. Uh, no one ever made a Sharknado. 
when it wasn't Sharknado. Uh, but I'm not too worried about it. It's, it's also like I'm looking at it like I don't know what this is going to be. I probably should be thinking bigger because your first film is a big deal. And blah, 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 blah. But I think my advice to anyone who would be who would ask me, um, you know, I have this idea and this vision and should I be nervous and this and that. I feel like my advice to, you know, a, a student or a first-time filmmaker, if they were to sort of be in my position and maybe, you know, more of an amateur, I'd be like, look, you have a vision for it. You, you know, even Tangerine was shot on iPhones. Sure. You know what I mean? It's just like, right. then, it was also like his seventh movie. Yeah. Com- com- I, I, there you go. Yeah. I think your first movie is fair. important if it's your breakout, but like, if you look at, you know, even Barry, uh, Je- was it Barry Jenkins? Yeah. Yeah. Me- yeah. Medicine for Melancholy yes. was, was a breakout. That movie's, no moonlight for mm-hmm, sure mm-hmm. but if you look at like the following christopher nolan like again good but like not a huge yeah. deal it wasn't yeah. until memento uh that like he really broke i think it's just like that first movie that breaks is the one that people really regarded <laughs> mm-hmm. like how many of us have seen damien chazelle's first movie that's the park in the park park bench one Oh, Guy and exactly. He did a feature before Whiplash? Before Whiplash. I thought yeah. he only did the short and then the movie. Yeah. So uh, who cares, right? Yeah, girl. I don't know. I, I wish I could have that attitude about every project, which is like, hopefully it's good. If not, I'll yeah. go on to the next one. But when you're starting to ask people for money, that's when yeah. you have to really convince yourself that this is like worth putting money into. That's a funny thing. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know if this is too fatalistic, but I know... I know it's going to look and feel and taste X way. And I know that I can at least get it to a certain quality level, mm-hmm. a certain price point. And, and I think, and thank I thank God for, I thank God for having that um, amassing of mm-hmm. tools in my toolkit over all this sort of not, no, not these resentful years, but these like slogging years of, doing various levels of production um and deal with solving problems on set and um i think i think there's a reason for that so i'm like i'm confident in that i'm i'm ready for it i also i mean you know i'm saying this is like someone who only has like 62 pages of you know what eventually should be 85 and then i have to get into what i'm most freaked out about and and um i'll probably end up talking to dean peterson about this who does low budget movies that are so fucking quality and great is entrusting a producer and a DP and finding someone who'll do it for the day rate they'll do it for and being like, you know, I hope you're a fan of me. Would you be down to be a producer and also come and give me your lenses and also come and do this and that and points? I don't know how the points work and I got to form an LLC, but fuck it. Let's go to summer camp in Margaretville and whatever. So I'm more freaked out about finding the ragtag crew who's going to do it. Um, I don't want to underpay anybody too drastically at least for like a tiny movie but i want to make sure people have a good time that they're compensated fairly fairly Mm -hmm. um brothers and uh that uh um that they believe in it that's an interesting thing to think of dps is you know folks have to do you know who should get on board with the script like drew daniels who i had dinner with like a few weeks ago shot thunder road and he was like yeah i'm a dp i'm a pro i'm reading scripts right now and deciding what to dedicate my next Mm -hmm. three months to because i'm going to be shooting three months of x and y's vision it's a serious thing do you know about a movie called the overnight yeah it's with um adam scott adam scott yeah and uh, Jason Schwartzman 
the Our dude f- who did um, Creep did that. He directed it. The blonde with the glasses. Yeah, what's his name? I forget his name, but I'm friends with the DP and the production designer and the art director. And, you know, they all got, uh, they shot it all in one house in Silver Lake. It was actually Adam Carolla's house. How um, funny. That That's really He had just moved out of. I love that. Um, so it was empty and they got to, you know, fill the whole thing up. They, every single person on the crew from PA to DP and everyone in between was paid $100 a day. And they got points based on kind of their mm-hmm. position. Yeah. But even the PAs got points. They made it for like 100 grand and they sold it for like. Five million dollars or something. Wow, that's so. Killer. Even I know the art director got ended up getting making like twenty grand or something. Yeah, you know? that's um, awesome. I think the DP and the production designer like twice that much. Yeah. See, I look at I think of those things and I'm like, oh man, I hope there's a line producer who'd be down to come down that road with with me as a first right. time Just to feature spell it out Like, hey guys, this is how we want to do this. I mean, for real, like someone. I'm honestly most freaked out. I said it once. I'll say it again. It's just to say it out loud and put it in ink. But. um most freaked out about that team and trusting people. I've met plenty of producers who I really like as people. Mm-hmm. People change when there's pressure, when there's, you know, um, a crew of six, when there's ego, when there's, I mean, like, that's a really spooky thing. When you said a crew of six, it made my heart skip a beat. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, that's like. And that's one of, that's what Dean's movie is, but yeah. at least, you know, then he knew he, he'd already met Darren Kwan, who shot the movie that we did, What Children Do, and had scouted the house. Darren's a producer on it. He's probably got a back end on it. He, he knows what the look is. He's down. He's got the camera. It's a snap. It is what it is. Dean's philosophy I'd rather die than shoot, than, or rather shoot than die. Um, I'd rather die than not shoot. I got it wrong twice. I'd rather die than not shoot. And uh, so I have to find, I have to find those people. There are people that I love, that I love to death. And there's also people that I know are so talented that probably won't come aboard or I'm guessing won't. My dad would be like, why are you, why are you guessing? You never know until you ask. And then there's folks who like, I know would kill themselves for me, but might not be as talented as, as I selfishly want. And there's all these kind of questions you go through, but these are all good problems to have. You get to that point once you've, I don't know. Well, again, yeah. it's God, kind you, of, like, you put in your 2000 videos. It's yeah. 10,000 hours of for real, filmmaking. For real. For real. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm like, I wonder if I'm like more freaked out about finding out that the producer is like lazy than like having to fire that person or on your little $50,000 movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know, it's funny. Feeling. We haven't really talked about firing people ever on the show. Really? And I thought, yeah, I don't think so. Mm. I mean, it's not it, something that happens that often. Yeah, it's relatively rare, but when you have to fire someone, especially like when it's, on a small scale. And on, really if it's your thing. baby, that's yeah. a weird thing. I've never yeah. experienced it. I asked an actor to leave once who was just like miserable. He was a background actor who was just like, <laughs> it was really, it was like a weird, I don't know, it was just a weird thing. I guess, you know, when you make 50 bucks a day on a, you know, college humor shoot or something and, you know, you come right. with a sourpuss attitude. It's like, you don't need to be here, dude. It's okay. We can make yeah. it look like there's a hundred people in here. If there's 50, it's fine. Or 20. Right. Our previous guest, Mitch Altieri, he replaced the lead actor three times in a movie, <gasps> not on the same movie in three different movies. Oh. Ooh. 
one of the leads, after yeah. they began shooting yeah or? after day one and everyone it's not like it's just him but everyone on set can tell how do you get that far i don't understand i mean you figure you're you see them or i probably see him at a live show and you're like i love their taste i wasn't involved in the movies really but i kind of had an idea of what was going on so one time the two main roles were supposed to be kind of this like really charismatic guy and his kind of like pushover friend that will do anything he does and the guy that was the pushover friend once they were on set was just trying to like steal the scene every single Mm. time you know he was he was also a really charismatic guy and it just wasn't god what do you do working the chemistry wasn't there the third lead you know what i mean and the third leads being too loud i guess at that point it's like come on dude you have 50 pages as opposed to 80 or whatever well so the other movie it was a group of people that were the leads and one of the two main guys was also the, one of the writers on the movie and had found some of the money to finance it. Oh. But the part, was he just didn't fit the part. So in that case, they recast that part and they wrote in a new part during production for the I other guy. I can't, I can't That even. was kind of more of a comedic That's what relief. freaks me out more than any production problem on set. Like I can figure out how to talk to a dude who's a pain in the ass about shooting in his cafe, but having to, fi- having to let an actor go and I, I don't even know what the conversation you begin with, you know, having the manager call or whatever it is like I'm sorry but Alex is a dick or whatever it is I can't that's that kills me more than look you're you're an on-camera guy you're probably going to cast people that you have a really good feeling about You, you know just a lot of times with indie films you don't have time to rehearse with the actors ahead of time or you get one actor that gives you three days because they're on some tv show and you're yeah. even lucky that they're coming to set, I you know, and deal. then yeah. they don't like anyone. You know, I saw a movie, I was at Durango this last weekend for um, a film festival that I think I talked about in the previous episode. But anyway, uh, I saw a movie that was just literally a, a crew of two people. And one of those people was the actor, director, writer. So it was her. The movie's called June Falling Down. It's very good. It's her and then the other producer, DP, co-director, Chris, right? And I was like, I met them before I saw the movie, and I was like, all right, cool, cool. This is so exciting to see what this ends up being. You wouldn't know it, right? Like, cameras have gotten a lot better, right? Like, they're good about, like, you know, they're really smart about creating circumstances where, like, they're shooting kind of in organic environments and all mm-hmm. of that stuff. So, mm-hmm. like... You know, like literally he would, there are plenty of shots where he turns on the camera and then goes and picks up the boom pole and then they shoot it. They right? go, yeah. And I thought, boy, what a wonderful lesson, right? Mm-hmm. Because I think the three of us were all kind of like, like just getting dizzy at the thought of having to do that. But mm-hmm. like, you make a movie that way. They made, they've kickstarted $7,500 was their first round and then it, they did a little more for post. But like, that's how you make a movie that cheap. Yeah. You yeah, know? Yeah. I mean, that's how... I don't know about you guys, but that's how I like started with just grabbing my camera. Oh, yeah. Shooting sure. yeah, yeah. Yeah. stuff with the, you know, a shotgun mic and a lav on the actors. Completely. I mean, I wouldn't act in things, so that made things way easier. But I now like long for those days where I have the guts to just be like, this is a funny idea. Let mm-hmm. me go ask my actor friend. It if used to be so easy. We'd all have like, you know, I, I had two different camcorders and I remember just like you making videos with your friends was like a thing recording over i used to record over like the tape you know sure rewind it and shoot over we literally meet up without knowing what we're gonna shoot yeah and then figure it out on the spot yeah and those are some of my best videos if you you combine all of the knowledge you have now 
of being like, okay, we're we're just gonna wait for the light to be good, and then you know shoot it over. They shot it over like kind of a long time, mm-hmm. so like they had the leisure of shooting half days sometimes and not doing full days all right, the time. Or cutting it while they're going, cutting it while they're they going. Need. Yeah, figuring it out, kind of. And that I think that's maybe the other way to make a, a movie that's good on this sort mm-hmm. of scale. That we're Mm-hmm. I honestly think the hardest thing about making a good feature film is that you have to shoot it in like 20 days, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Before, I know you are talking a lot about how you're going to focus a lot about your on-camera stuff coming up and you have a lot of these awesome opportunities. But for our audience, are there any sort of directing tips, things that you've seen on set, interesting tidbits that you you think might be helpful to new directors? Like, for instance... Um, you know, what you said about college humor videos, that if the dialogue is on screen, it comes out punchier. Is there any any kind of tricks that are specific to you that you do on set that you've found help you? Beyond always giving an actor, once you, once you do have something for you, giving an actor one for them. So, you know, once you've done a run, mm-hmm. saying, okay, one more for you, literally any way you want. Some actors, like on the one out of five, maybe well, maybe that's a little, um, little hyperbolic. One out of eight actors will be like, "No, I'm good." Um, if they're like a real pro, but some of them will be like, you know, they'll they'll give you the best one. And that's even when you have clients on a commercial. Completely a thousand percent when you have clients because usually the last two are the best in mm-hmm. my in my opinion. What were you gonna say? I was gonna say it's funny because. I, I love the actor that's like, yeah, I got one for you. Yeah. Like, I've been waiting. Here we go. Let's yeah. let, let's let one rip. Um, very often, I feel like I put an actor through their paces so much that, like, I'm like, do you want one more? Let's do one for you. And they're like, I'm good. Next. Yeah. Let's, let's yeah. just move on. But I think that it maybe it comes from what sort of discipline they're coming from. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you're the type of actor that I can tell that's just like, okay, yeah, yeah I've got a crazy thing. And I'll, you know, mm-hmm. I'll keep going forever, right? Like, it's mm-hmm. hard to call cut on an actor like you. But do you like, think it sometimes- matters if it's a comedy or a drama? Or do you, is this comedy specific, you think? I, I, that's a fair question. I haven't directed much, if at all, any dramas. Any of the heavier moments I've had in comedy when a character's had to, like, even like pretend to pull tears. I'm trying to think if there's even an example, but like a fight or I, I did a short film called Ollie with Henry Zabrowski where it was like a lot of long takes and fun, weird and backlit oddness. Um, so normally in that case, I just sort sort of would say, you know, take your time. Um, and, uh, uh, there was a phrase in acting school that I, I, do, I do not say this to actors, but I love that it was t- said to me. So I kind of like, I at least like to think this way. I've never said it out loud, but, you know, dare to bore was, was such a great thing. And improv was like, I dare you to just fucking bore us. Like, take yeah. your time. Take all the time. Doesn't matter. Because me as an actor, I don't want to hear with the light, this light. So we really have to. And now. And you better hurry up. Are you serious? That sounds like an impression of me. <laughs> I mean, it, it's been me too. Like I've reached the end of my rope so many times at the end of most shoots that I've done. Like when my voice is hoarse and I'd be out and said, okay, gosh, please, can we? Um, <laughs> and I, all I really ever want is like, dude, you have the floor. You have the floor. Do what you want. Some people need to be told what to do. 
Um, I've gone, I've run the gamut from micromanaging and getting reprimanded for it because I'm so excited to be there and like have, I I know it's going to look better if you hold the phone in your left hand for me. And also it's going to be funnier if you like look out at the horizon rather than if we don't see your eyes, seeing eyes is important. Um, uh, that's kind of a vague thing to say, but that's something that I kind of, you know, I keep doing and directing is like, you have to see the expression. Like what drives me crazy is when, I love Paul Feig. I love some of, you know, I love like Bridesmaids, but like if you have the three of the funniest actresses in Ghostbusters, for example, and you're shooting three extreme close-ups and not just doing a wide of three funny people Mm -hmm. talking when it's a comedy, it's like, what are you doing? Um, Or if you're not like, look at the Coen brothers, they shoot so brilliantly. They did that great video of how they will do what the 38 or 35 millimeter lens basically right in front of the actor. So you're seeing everything that their face is doing. You know, if you, you only see one and a half eyes, which is such a funny thing to say, or you're shooting three quarter profile shots in comedy, it's like such a waste to me. It just feels like such a wasted opportunity. You, you're laughing on stage because of physical comedy. You're laughing at the best comedies because you're seeing their funny fucking faces. It, mm-hmm. It'd be it'd be a horrible wasted opportunity if you weren't fully dead on to George Basil's face. Mm-hmm. When you're shooting George Basil or Mary Holland or Jermaine Fowler or whatever, like these great comedic actors, if you're you're on people like that dead on, you're not missing anything. Right. Those people also in comedy, you're hiring people who often will make you laugh, you know, reading the phone book. You <laughs> right. put the camera on them and let them do their thing. But you got to know how to cover them. And that's something that I, it took me a bit to learn, too. Yeah, so, Josh, that is those tidbits are awesome. By the way, if you think of any other ones, feel free to email us. If you're like on set and you're like. Oh, I just realized, like, I always do, like, you know, a close-up and then a closer-up or something. Well, you touched, on, you touched on yours, Matt, but what, what's yours? My Yeah, you're kind of, you're kind of, your, your trick or tidbit. I'm curious what your boys' zizz are. You, you kind of piggybacked on mine. Mm-hmm. So, right. I, what are your go- go-tos, just out of total go-tos. curiosity? Go-tos. I'll have people shake it out, too, and I'll, like, wiggle with them. You know, I'll be like, like, when you, you're like, yeah, well, everyone's in their heads right now. Mm. especially if it's a crew that I work with like I've got kind of a crew that I work with pretty regularly I'll be like shake it out and everyone will do a little wiggle and it shows that like we are all in solidarity we're all going to look real stupid together and I do believe that you kind of get a little looser is that at the end of the day when everybody's kind of in their head no, or is that just kind of like a- it's like when we're in a take that's like not going great nar, nar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 that's a weird one for sure I, I would, like that though. you know but yeah yeah, and then you get people like wiggling on set. It's just like, hey, everyone, we're having fun on this yeah. one, you know? Yeah, yeah, I would never do that. <laughs> um, I would want just, to Lauren, do just, that. Just say shake it out for me. Uh, shake it out. Uh, can you shake it out, please? <laughs> Thanks. Okay, and let's move on. <laughs> Guys, the light's going down. Yeah. Um, <gasps> no, I would, uh, for me, like something that happens, I, I mean, we've said this on podcast a million times, but like I'll have this shot list and a storyboard with like this blocking that looks amazing and then we'll mm. get to set and just the actors don't feel like it feels natural. Mm. So something I do a lot when like a line's not working or blocking's not working. I mean, it's so obvious. I'm sure everyone does this, but I just say to the actor, I'm like, hey, that you know, that you're doing awesome, but I feel like we can find like something a little better and more natural here. Like, how would you do this, you know, in real life? Like, don't worry about where the light is, don't worry where the camera is, don't worry how the set is, just like... What do you think you would do in this situation? Um, like a lot of times they're like, I don't think I would like walk anywhere. I'd probably just stand here and say this. And then I'd be like, well, what if it, like, you know, you're running mm. late somewhere? Like, 
would you start like i try to because you know a lot of times people just standing in places like boring so you're trying to motivate movement but mm-hmm. you don't want them to move just because you want it to be cool for the shot you want mm-hmm. it to feel real so i mean i do have a lot of conversations on set with actors when things aren't feeling right mm-hmm. about like like what would you, you know? what would you really you know it's funny not to open a can of worms but i i went to acting school i didn't go to college um and the two-year program was run by Mike Nichols. He was one of three teachers. So Mike would come in once a week for three hours. When he wow. wasn't shooting, like some classes would get totally boned because he'd be doing like back when I was there, Angels in America. But he would talk about everything with him was just say the words um, uh, and um, don't get caught trying to be funny. That's a big mm. one that I love. Mm. And I usually will bring it up. Like, don't let me catch you trying to be funny. Like, don't do like such a visual eye flutter or whatever. Um, and uh, it was a lot of like, well, okay, but what would really happen? And even if you watch down to like Wolf, mm-hmm. like if you watch Jack Nicholson turning into a werewolf and Micah Nichols' Wolf, it really is kind of like weirdly like, what would happen if a guy really did have that and he was like how he would change sexually what would happen to his you know to to his audio you know his to to his sonic um abilities and what he could smell and his attitude at the office like pissing on someone's shoes to mark his territory to piss people off or whatever it was this weird kind of down to those random movies even the birdcage you know when robin williams and nathan lane are like talking on on the picnic bench about splitting their about um you know alimony or whatever it is it was like god it just feels like what would really happen Um, and that was like, that was really valuable. And there's a dude who's like, did fucking spam a lot barefoot in the park, you know, his own improv revolutionary improv stuff with the lane. May. I feel like that's where bad writing really stands out where like the actors and you as the director literally cannot figure out why anyone would do this. Mm -hmm. Like, like as hard as you try to like, why would this person turn around? Because it's like a funny joke, but it doesn't come from any sort of real place. It's not that funny. He you know? would pro- he would gouge my eyes out, and he basically did gouge the class's eyes out for not having seen All About Eve. I still haven't seen it, but I think <laughs> oh, it was... Oh, you should check it out. I hear it's completely dope. Combine it with All About My Mother. It's a great doubleheader. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Intentionally so, actually. Yeah. Well... And it's like a nice palate cleanser. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Because all, all about, about Eve's is like is is like it's pretty heavy, and then all about my brother is an Almodovar movie, so it's like super bright and oh, campy. Fun. Oh, so it's, funny! But thematically, it's, all about my mother. it's great. It's uh, so great. So I could be Sorry. completely out of turn. No, I, I I don't even know if this is what he was quoting, but there was he is Mike Nichols. You're talking about. Mike Nichols. Yeah. yeah, I think it was all about Eve when an actor. I don't. I can't even think of the actress's name or what the line was, but it was like just to speak to the bad writing. The actress knew how cheesy the line was and she just she said the words and it was something to the effect of, well, I hope you both. uh, It was like, you know, well, you both are meant for each other. And it was like or it was like, well, I hope you both have, you know, live happily ever after. And the actress, he was just talking about this moment where the actress like knew that it was bad writing and knew that it was cheesy. And she said, um, well, I hope that you two live happily ever after. And she like <laughs> dropped her head, like her chin to her chest, and it changed. 
everything it made such a unintentionally hilarious real moment where mm-hmm. it's like regardless how bad the dialogue is she really is just saying the words but she's saying the words like Honestly. this is so cheesy but i mean i really hope you guys live happily ever after you know it like feels fucking real and exciting yeah. and brings a whole new energy to it and i think that's so that really stuck with me but none of the names did and the movie <laughs> the name of the movie didn't <laughs> right well but i think that there is something about um you know, as a director, oftentimes an actor will be like, why am I saying this? And like, it's a scary moment. It's really scary. It's really hard. And like, there is a way to find an answer to make it honest and truthful. And when Mm -hmm. you do, it stands out, you know, Mm -hmm. that's what's hard about commercials. Like, I don't know if you guys have been in this situation, but I'm in a place. I've been in it a lot where I'm directing an actor. I feel like we do a few takes. I feel like it's really, good you know we've changed things a little bit to make it feel natural to them and then the client is like no like they need to say it like this and then i'll be like yeah but that doesn't really feel natural you know no one would say that and they're like well that's what we want (laughs) so i had an actor who who you know unfortunately has a reputation of being a total asshole but who you know the client was a bit of a douchebag and uh and didn't really have a sense of humor but was like i want him to say it this way but wouldn't deliver it to him and we all knew that if i had told him or vin and i were the middlemen to deliver the fact that you know hey john can you say it this way and he completely lost his mind but even when it's you and you're you know that is a tricky thing with being a middleman you really are a middleman for the client on set, and you're just like, okay, can you try an option where you say happily ever and you don't say the word <laughs> after? And honestly, it was like that was how bad the note was. Right. And, of course, he's going to freak out because he has a reputation or she has a reputation. And you find yourself in these situations where you're like, I mean, honestly, I, you two should figure it out. Or you try and take this diplomatic. What you should do is take this diplomatic, you know, bridging around where you're like, well, because – it's because you get cut off in your mind or I don't know. Whatever. I did this like, spot where I told the actor, I was like, look, I, I think I love what you're doing. It's perfect. It's exactly what I want. The client has like a very specific yeah. idea of something that, you know, that he's the creative director at the agency. He had a very specific way. He thought this line should be read. Do you mind if I bring him over here and have him tell you yep. it? And we you just have do to one do take where yeah. you just kind of, do it the way he you gotta sang do. it. <clears throat> you gotta you know, do that. But I I just need to make sure the actor knows I'm on their side, you know? Yeah. Um, but I also don't want them to do it in a way where they're like, ugh, mm-hmm. you know? Because you can see that on camera when someone is you saying You better something. know as an actor going into a commercial that you're there to be a robot. You're there to be a puppet. Mm-hmm. You're not there to... There, there's no ego. You're not doing Eugene O'Neill. Like right. I did a fucking beauty rest mattress commercial. It was the only national commercial I did. I was in a bathrobe and doing like high kicks and stuff and having a bullhorn. <laughs> it was fun as hell. And, um, Hank Perlman who founded, uh, Oh God, founded hungry man, <clears throat> huge oh, yeah. commercial production company. Sure. He directed it and he does all those awesome, uh, AT&T spots with Milana Vaintrub and, um, he was getting notes from the client and it was what it was. And I had to memorize a version of the monologue without the word, you know, dog in it for the dog people. And then a version of it where it was like, okay, can you trim it down to 11, you know, 11 seconds? Can you, you have to be, you have to be a robot and you have to have as little ego as possible. Unless there are those, I'm sure there are those shoots like when, you know, whatever, like Gervais does a Verizon spot. Right. Um, and I'm sure it's a very different dynamic. 
but they're also getting paid to again say the words and do it the way that they want to and it's it's not you know um right my yeah. friend avi who's been on this podcast he does he probably averages like 20 national commercials a year and does a ton of commercials yeah. and he tells me these stories he's like yeah i was on set we probably did about 85 takes of me saying like what do you think um, you know, like yeah. just one tiny line. And he's like, and I was like, by take 40, I'm like panicking. And I'm like, what's wrong? And they're like, oh, we love it. Just like, just do it again. Just, you know, maybe yeah. a little faster. Yeah. yeah. And so. <laughs> and that's what you have not- to do. I think to a degree as a director, you have to protect your actors on those sets. Like now I have a little bit more of an ego about it where I'm like, do you really need it? We have this option. We have this option. We have this option. I learned that bite from Vin too. I think he's you know more Italian than I am, but he'll like <laughs> step in and sort of be like, "All right, guys, just so you know, we have this, this, and this, and this." Um, and uh, I was one to be a little more submissive or passive about those mm-hmm. things, but you got to also protect your actor from getting exhausted. Sure, you've got a whole day of older, that. Older, right? and you got a yeah. whole day of it, and yeah, it can be gnarly. Yeah. But, well, cool. Well, this was a lot of really good tidbits. So we always do a segment at the end of our podcast where we talk about uh, things that we currently really like, um, and we do not get paid for it. So this is a segment we call Unpaid Endorsements. So there's a director, Gareth Edwards. I was just talking to the Making Movies is Hard guys about him, so it's fresh in my mind. But yes, he directed Godzilla. He directed uh, Rogue One, right? Yeah, yeah. Rogue One. He did do Rogue One. Of course. Um, He directed Monsters, which is kind of his breakout film. But before that, he had done a movie for BBC. He's British uh, about Attila the Hunt. It was like a one-hour made-for-TV movie for BBC, and it is like this epic battle movie with like thousands of people fighting against each other. Um, And he made the whole movie for like you know a hundred thousand dollars or some tiny amount of money. And he had like 15 extras that he dressed in, you know, 100 different outfits and shot them on green screen. And he made all these amazing battle scenes in After Effects on his home computer. What? He kind of, I think there was like 300 visual effects shots in the movie. And he had said, told himself, like, I'm, I have to average one shot a day. I'm giving myself a year to finish this movie and post. And he, then he did, there's this website called FX PhD where people teach how to do like people from Hollywood like you know that did like X-Men and giant movies teach visual effects to courses and he did one on how to create uh, like armies of people in After Effects oh and my God. it's so good I mean it's from years ago it's probably from like 2008 or something like 10 years ago almost um, but if you just look up Gareth Edwards FX PhD um, or any article about you know Gareth Edwards After Effects tutorials they're really awesome. This was before Monsters and what? everything. And mm. it's really cool. Um, we'll post the link just to the, his VFX breakdown video, and you'll be, like, amazed by wow. what he did on, like, a computer that's, you know, probably too slow to wow. run, like, Safari on it. I nowadays. love that. I wish I was technically proficient like that. Like, I, I wish I was an editor-director. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the most valuable things you can be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. um, what do you like? Uh, well, so, uh, boy, I've been shooting and um traveling a bunch the last since we we re-recorded not that long ago so i'm gonna go with a weird one that you inspired actually you made a little joke where you said hail satan earlier today and it made me think of the scene in rosemary's baby which is an incredible movie Mm -hmm. but where we finally rosemary realizes that um she's living next door to all the satanists 
and they all shout hail Satan to her in a POV shot. Boy, it's a really funny shot to me, and it always makes me giggle. So that, that's hail my endorsement. Satan. Hail Satan. Oh, it's so good. Can I, can I pile on an endorsement on yours? Because sure. I was just thinking yeah. about it this week, too. There's this book called Roman. Mm. It's an autobiography of Roman Polanski. Uh, it oh came out God. also like 15 years ago. Really old, but it's really, really Autobiography. Good. Yeah, so he talks about his you know child Fingering. rape yeah. Yeah, mm. at allegations and why he thinks he's not guilty. And um, it, It's really interesting, but he talks about Rosemary's Baby and how they shot that. And the way he scheduled the day is like the... F- like the first three hours of every day, he would have the actors just kind of block out the scenes, like however they felt like doing it. You know, they own that apartment for the whole shoot. And he'd have, you know, the whole, he'd work with the actors by himself. Then they'd kind of figure out how they're going to do it. They'd bring the crew in. They'd look at it. Then he'd give the actors a break to go to hair and makeup and everything. For three hours, they would light the scene, plan out the shots, and then they'd have lunch. And then after lunch, they'd shoot everything. Um, mm. Every day, that was their schedule, and it's like which is a pretty the cool way dream, to shoot it. Yeah. you know. Yeah. And you get these amazing performances and like amazing blocking and amazing mm-hmm. visuals, mm-hmm. and it's like and you know, a hilarious, unintentionally hilarious little moment. Yeah. Um, but if Roman Polanski intentionally funny, the Fearless Vampire Killers, uh, which he stars in as well, is like mm-hmm. a weird like vampire comedy that he, he did, did a couple of those like random so weird. So weird, but so that I, I'll yeah. pile on and give a real endorsement. He was in Chinatown too, right? Yeah, yeah he yeah, was yeah. the nose guy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh boy, Polanski. Anyway, how many directors have been like, "I love Get Out. I really like to Get Out. I thought that was great." Have you seen Get Out? No, but I know it was the number three movie. I actually was going to ask Matt about it because he's worked with Keen Peele. Yeah, like is Jordan Peele just a genius? Like a, yeah, well, on genius. Yeah, no doubt. No, yeah. Like when you yeah. meet him and yeah. talk to him, you can tell that there's just like layers of. He's a smart yeah. gentleman. He's not just like a. You know what made me realize when I, I was like, "Oh, Jordan's like the real deal." See, have you guys ever seen that sketch where he plays like basically like the mentalist, but um, wait, so he's like it, it's like a crime scene and he's kind of like wandering around. He's like kind of like the musing genius there on set, and, he, and he's like. You know, figuring out in the mind of the killer sort of stuff, mm-hmm. <laughs> but the way that he does it is by like loudly whining and masturbating. So he'll be like, uh, the, "The killer did this, of course," and like Keegan will be—he's the skeptical cop who's like, "How does he even know that?" And then Jordan will start like masturbating weirdly, and then like be like, "Oh, of course," and discover the key to like some sort of clue, and he's always right. And it's so it's this really gonzo big weird performance that's just it's all about the swing back and forth between like cool quiet yeah. sort of like genre bending a little genre bit. bending and love that he was on set that day just like kind of wandering around and really quiet and like kind of method about it mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and that mm-hmm. performance is untouchable well you funny. look at those those guys i mean they were like they're real Actors, but is yeah. Jordan Peele like the Matt Damon and Michael Keegan Keys like the Ben Affleck, um, like a little a little louder and lucky, also talented? You know, he made the town. Um, I I would say Keegan is the person who made me realize that um, being friendly is a skill, 
and he is literally the best person at that that I've yeah, ever seen. Yeah. Like he makes you feel like you're if you when you're when you meet Kiko Michael he you're like, Oh my god, I just want to be around you all the time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're like unbroken eye contact, you feel important and listened to and like he like makes you feel funnier and then like he does that to everyone. You see mm-hmm. it was like, Oh yeah, like of course I wanna help this guy out. Yeah. Sure, whatever you need, man, you know. So like they're a, a funny duo of like Kind of the 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 big people pleaser, and then the guy who's like quiet genius, basically. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense as a duo. Um, I can't believe I haven't talked about that on the show. Yeah. Anyway. Well, get out. I really, really want to see. So it. is is that your endorsement then, Josh? Is get out? I think it is. Yeah. It's like. Is there something beyond what we see in the trailer? Like, because I watch the trailer and I'm like, this movie looks cool, but I kind of feel like I got the whole movie from the trailer. I. Th- think you I think there are some pleasant surprises beyond that uh, but they're limited but it's just it's a it's a well done movie that does have a couple of kind of extra twists they're just like pleasant it's like a satisfying movie mm-hmm. there's there's a route where you can go that he he went down the route of it being like a more dour ending and it, and it didn't necessarily end up that way um, and I thought that was that was really cool. I just read like a really satisfying article about like the trajectory of the story, how it started from. There's like four, he did forty drafts of uh, this thing that started with like guy who's uncomfortable at a high school party to race to what it is now. Um, so that was cool. I think I just identified because like I'm one of these comedy guys who loves horror. I've got a dark mm-hmm. side. I love playing with genre a little bit and genre bending and I really identify with like when people kind of fuck around like I haven't even watched all of Baskets but I love the fact that there's a show where Louis Anderson very somberly plays this mother character right? and it's like it's like breaking a, a, a bit of a rule and I just feel like we don't see a whole lot of that it's that's where I want to play around and so I don't know it just felt it felt kind of of that and in that world it was like oh this is freaky but funny but I'm laughing, but I'm also spooked, but I'm also worried for him, but I'm also tearing up. That's that's the, yeah, be cool to, to sort of figure something out. But that's, you know, it's not making a movie for for uh, for all of America, for sure. Right. Which, um, but still, I be. think it's a hit. It was the number no, three com- movie this yeah. last week. Completely, weekend. yeah. Got completely. like 99% on Rotten Tomatoes. and Yeah. Yeah, fuck that true. guy. Yeah, that one the, dude. The one dude is like, uh, yeah. I, it can't be 100, I'll stop. Yeah. Them. Yeah. So oh, come on. Um, yeah, no, well, it's good. You guys should see it. We will. Well, thank you so much. Josh. Yeah, my pleasure. Let's go um, to bed. How can our listeners uh, learn more about you? Uh, you can check out uh, Josh Rubin on Twitter, R U B E N, um, and uh, Josh Rubin Snaps on Instagram. That's where I put all my silly one character day videos. Like uh, today's was uh, a character named Desperation, or at least that was the title, and it was just someone, an Australian man, for some reason, <laughs> grasping for um, for. Do you remember this inside joke? Like, hi, hey, I'll give you. I, you're my best friend if you can figure this out. What's this from? What's this from? Give me back my waffle, and then just staring blankly, and sort of getting sad. Um, and that's just like, yeah, really obscure <laughs> thirty-second characters. That was a really good Australian accent. Ah, uh, thank you. <laughs> cool. Uh, well, you can find out more about the podcast at justshootitpod.com. You can find us on Twitter at justshootitpod. Uh, I'm at Smitey Pileg, and I'm Matt, Mr. Matt Enlow. Uh, rate us on iTunes that really helps us out you can also check out Josh's podcast The Mind House The Mind House there we go 
Uh, rate us all five stars, everyone. Uh, we really appreciate it. All three of us. And if you um, have any questions, anything you want us to talk on the show, answers, anything, um, let us know and we will respond. So that's it. Thanks, Josh. Thanks, Thanks for guys. having me.